I want to read a story about Azusa Street. Uh, basically, it's not a story. It's just some uh, documented uh, uh, reporting on Azusa Street. You know, we're talking about revival, and this may be the last week in a, a little while, but who knows? We'll just see whatever God wants to do. I don't care. Whatever God wants to do, we'll just do it. Amen? Amen? Amen. So you go, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Get a new wineskin. Come on, you'll be all right. But Azusa Street, this, this amazing move of God. And, and let, me, let me just read some of, the, some of the history of it. The Azusa Street Revival was an historic Pentecostal revival meeting that took place in Los Angeles, California. And it is the origin of the Pentecostal movement. It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. It began with a meeting on April 9th, 1906, and continued until roughly 1915, about nine years. The revival was characterized by ecstatic spiritual experiences accompanied by miracles, dramatic worship service, speaking in tongues, shandai, and interracial mingling. The participants were criticized by the secular media and Christian theologians for behaviors considered to be outrageous and unorthodox, especially at the time. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Uh, uh, let me read a little further. The, begin, uh, the beginning of a revival. On the night of April 9th, 1906, Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street. Waiting on God. Waiting on God. When was the last time we waited on God? It's a lost art. We try to fill time and space with activities, emotions, and, and words, and song. We always think we've got to be doing something. If God's going to do something, we've got to be doing something. And sometimes we just need to wait on God. Amen? They were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street when suddenly, everybody say suddenly, Suddenly, as though, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. Get ready, get ready, get ready. What would you do? What would you do if all of a sudden somebody got knocked to the floor? What would you do? What would our reaction be? My, my reaction, I would hope, would be, come on, God, I want some of that. Give me some of that. I want some of that move. Come on. Some people would run for the doors. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe, maybe you just sit back and you say, oh, I'll never come back here again. They do weird stuff. <laughs> when David danced down the street with all of his might, his wife mocked him and said, you have, you have made a mockery of me. And David said, you think that was bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. I will dance before my God. I will make a fool out of myself on behalf of heaven. And I think we've just become way too dignified. Come on, we've become way too dignified. That's just the fancy word for saying we've become way too religious. 
We're, we're, we're so afraid of what other people are going to say about us, think about us. If they're going to point out uh, the, the crazy way we're acting. I want to tell you something. Uh, we, we need to just kind of take the gloves off and go for whatever God wants to do. And let's just run with it. Let's run with him. Let's just do it. Come on. But, but they were knocked to the floor. It's like a bolt of lightning hit them. The other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud, praising God. The news spread quickly. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered. A few days later, Seymour himself received the Holy Spirit. Services were moved outside to accommodate the crowds. People fell down under the power of God as they approached. What are you going to do someday when you walk in and they're stacked up like cordwood in the lobby? Because the Spirit of God is falling in this place at such a level that, I mean, people walk in and they hit their knees, they hit the ground. What must I do to be saved? Oh, God, you're in this place. What are, you going to, what are we going to do? Are you going to get all freaked out by the reaction right this minute? I'm not real confident you're going to be okay. You're looking at me funny. Does he really expect that those kind of things are going to happen? Oh, and then some. Everybody say, why not? People fell down under the power of God as they approached. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the sick were healed, and sinners received salvation. To further accommodate the crowds, an old dilapidated two-story frame building at 312 Azusa Street in the industrial section of the city was secured. This building, originally built for the African Methodist Episcopal, uh, Episcopal AME Church, had more recently been used as a livery stable. How many of you know what that is? It's where they shoe horses. It's where they take care of horses. It had been used as a livery stable, storage building, and tenement house. In this humble Azusa Street mission, a continuous nine-year revival occurred and became known around the world. Let me continue. From the beginning, Seymour's apostolic faith mission attracted attention because of the unusual features of its worship services. As one newspaper commented, and this is the newspaper reporter, this is a quote. I understand it can be an offensive statement at times, uh, the way he used this wording. He said, colored people and a sprinkling of whites compose the congregation. And night is made hideous in the neighborhood by the howlings of the worshipers who spend hours swaying back and forth in a nerve-wracking attitude of prayer and supplication. Yet Seymour and his initial small group of worshipers persisted and more people were attracted to the services. Sometimes the very thing that you think is going to scare people away is what will draw them in because they know that they know that they know something is different in this place. Christians and many traditions, uh, Christians from many traditions were critical, saying the movement was hyper-emotional. You know what? I, I just think we need some hyper emotion. I, I, just, I just think we need some people to tell their face. 
that the joy of the Lord is their strength. I, I, just, I just think we need a big, a big giant dose of the joy of the Lord in the church today. People walk in here and they go, man, what is this, a funeral? Looks like everybody's having a hard time. We ought to be smiling and laughing and having fun and come on, enjoying life. Christians from many traditions were critical, saying the movement was hyper-emotional. They misused scripture and and, and they lost focus on Christ by overemphasizing the Holy Spirit. Within a short time, ministers, listen to this, ministers were warning their congregations to stay away from Grace Christian, I mean Azusa Street Mission. Some even called the police trying to get the building shut down. They cry and make howling noises all day and into the night, they said. They run, they jump, they shake all over, they shout to the voice, the top of their voice. They spin around in circles. Whoa. They fall out on the sawdust, jerking on the floor, kicking and rolling all over at holy rollers. <laughs> Some of them pass out and don't move for hours as though they were dead. These people appear to be mad, mentally deranged, or under a spell. They claim to be filled with the Spirit. They have a one-eyed, illiterate Negro as their preacher who stays on his knees much of the time with his head hidden between the wooden milk crates. He doesn't talk very much. But at times, he can be heard shouting, repent! And he's the one that's supposed to be running this thing. And then they repeatedly sing the same song over and over, the comforter has come. What's the name of this series? What's the name of this series? It's do it again. Come on, God. Come on, God, do it again. Do it again. God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again, God. Uh, listen, I, I, I never want to be about formulas. Uh, God is not about formulas. God is not uh, about do A, do B, C will always happen. That is not how revival takes place. But I want to tell you something. There are, there are principles we can learn from. We can look at the principles that drove revival that were catalysts to revival. What were they doing leading up to revival? What was going on? What was happening? What was the attitude of people? What were they going after? What were they saying? Uh, what, what was the church like right before that revival hit? You don't, you don't study, you don't make a formula out of it, but you look at the principles and you say, I am going to live by those principles and I'm going to allow God to manifest any way he sees fit. Because revivals don't have to look like revivals of the past. 
I, I, believe, I believe we are in a revival here at this church. I am not, I'm not going to be that pastor that says, uh, you know, God's going to send revival. God's going to, if that's how you talk, stop talking like that. God is not a God of gonna. Stop making him a God of gonna. He's a God of doing it. He's doing it. There's revival that is all over this world. There are pockets. They're pocket, the fastest growing church is in China. It's underground. You can't even be told where to meet. You gotta trust the Holy Ghost to show you where they're meeting that day. Because the penalty for exposing and for uh, advertising a church meeting like that is death. Put you in work camps, you never see your family again. There's revival happening in Brazil. It's happening in China. It's happening in the Ukraine. It's happening in Russia. It's happening in Poland. It's happening in South America. It's happening in Mexico. It's happening, it's happening all over the world. I want it here. I want, I want revival in its fullness here at Grace Christian Church at the corner of 14 Mile and Van Dyke. I want the fire to, I want the fire to burn. I want the light to get brighter. I want the spirit to move. I want these things. How about you? And if you're a visitor today, welcome. Please come back. Haggai chapter 2 says this. Basically, it's a do-it-again verse. <laughs> it's a do-it-again verse. He says, revive us again, O God. I know you will. Come on, let's read that together. Can we read it together all at the same time? Let's read it together, that first line. Revive us again, O God. I know you will. Come on, let's say it with some great emphasis. Revive us again, O God. I know you will. Come on, how many of you know it? Come on, thank him for it, amen? And, and then he says this, he says, give us a fresh start. Oh, dear Lord, do we need a fresh start or what? I, I don't know about you, but I, I, need, I need some freshness in my life. I, these last couple of years have just absolutely worn me out. How many of you, how many of you need to be revived from the inside? I, I don't, I, I need to be revived. I need revival. You need revival. We all need revival. I scream, you scream. We all scream for revival. Amen. But he goes on, he says this, he says, give us a fresh start. Then, everybody say then. Then people will taste of your joy and gladness. I believe that when we experience revival, personal revival, people around us will come in contact with his joy and his gladness. I, I want to be infectious. I, I, want, I want people to say, what's up with you? So I can tell them. I got revival going on in my life. I got the spirit of God in my life. I got the joy of the Lord in my life. I've got gladness in my life. What's there to be glad about? Gas costs too much. Have you bought ground beef lately? <laughs> I 
And then I get to tell them about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, and El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. And, and, and that I don't, I don't live under the economy of this world. Come on, I live under a different economy. I give, and it's given back into my life. You ought, to, you ought to try it sometime. It's an amazing way to live. It's a great way to live, and it's the way God set it up for us. Acts chapter 3 says this out of the uh, Passion Translation. He says, and now you must repent and turn back to God so that what? Times of refreshing stream from his presence. Anytime you get into his presence, refreshing is available. I, I, I like what the Amplified says. It says, he will restore you like a cool wind on a hot day. Come on, amen. He'll restore you like a cool wind on a hot day. And we all need that. So I don't have a whole lot of time. I've, I've only got really, no, an hour. No, no, no. We're still working on the wineskins here, folks, okay? I understand. But I believe that in every revival, like I said, you don't look for formulas, but you look for principles. And the principles, we could call them markers. There are certain markers in revival that you can look at. Look at these markers and you see uh, what revival looked like and what revival accomplished. Uh, because sometimes, sometimes it's important to look at the markers of past revivals so you know, hey, we are in revival. Look at this. These are very common markers throughout history. So I want to give you a few of them, especially looking at Azusa Street. So, so marker number one is the church comes alive. I, I, I said the church comes alive. <laughs> it, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the, the need to be prompted a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> but the church comes alive. It, wake, it wakes up. It gets excited. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says, wake up, you who are sleeping, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Wake up. Wake up, you who are sleeping, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I, I love that song, I'm waking up to heaven. I'm waking up to you. I'm waking up. I'm waking up. God, wake me up. Wake me up. There are times over the last several years that uh, all of a sudden it was like I had this epiphany. It was a Holy Ghost epiphany, and it was like, wait a minute, what have I been thinking? What have I been doing? I can't believe I, I've, I've, I've gone this route. I can't believe it. I mean, didn't anybody know? Didn't they? Nobody warned me. And it was like all of a sudden I woke up and I realized. I mean, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I heard this song, and and, and I don't even remember the name of it, but it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what can I, what can I do to you, for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of uh, 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 song do you want me to sing? I'll, 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 I'll sing the song for you. I'll dance a dance for you. What can I do for you, beautiful king? And it just goes on and on. It's a beautiful song. And I'm just singing that, and I'm going, yes, that's, that's my prayer. God, what can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of song do you want me to sing? And, and then you get to the bridge of that song, and it says, you don't have to do anything. Just, just sit here for a while. 
Just, just sit here. God says, just sit here. Just sit here. And all of a sudden, it was like, wait a minute. I've been working so hard to get all these things. And, it's, and sometimes God says, no, I, I just need you to sit and chill. Just chill. Just come into my presence. Just come and stay. Because I'm not good at that. I'm, I am a wonderful Martha. No confusion here, all right? I'm good. I am what I am. That's all that I am. I'm Popeye. Hey, he quoted Popeye the other day. I can, right? But, but it's a waking up. It's, it's, it's a fresh encounter with God. When was the last time you had a fresh encounter with God? When was the last time you actually expected a, French, a fresh encounter with God? When was the last time you walked into church and, and you said, I need an encounter with you, God. I've got to know you. I, I, met, I, I met, I don't remember her name. Oh, I don't, I don't even know if she told me her name. But she said she was here last week uh, for church. And, and man, she sat in church. She hasn't been in church in ages, maybe ever. And she said, man, I'll tell you what, I cried through the whole service. Uh, God just did something in my life. I, I can't even believe it. I've been telling everybody about it. I, I'm getting back. I've signed up to get baptized on Easter Sunday. I mean, God just, I mean, she, what, what, what was that? She had an encounter with God, a living God, a living Jesus came into her life right at that moment. And now she's telling everybody, man, I, I need more encounters with him. Don't you? I want to wake up. Sometimes, sometimes, I said this a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, sometimes we're asking God to change our situation and he's really working on changing us. One of the other markers is a resurgence of holiness. I, I mean true holiness. Not phony baloney religious holiness. Come on now. We make our rules and you know, we, we, we expect everybody like the Pharisees. I mean, we look at the Pharisees and Sadducees and go, man, those were terrible people. And then we act the same way in our churches. We worry about how people come in, how they're dressed and what they look like and how many tattoos they have and if they got this pierced and that pierced. Who cares what they got pierced? I don't care what they got pierced. I don't care what they got tattooed. I don't care what they're wearing. Well, within reason. I mean, you know, I understand. <laughs> have clothes on. Not that kind of church. But you understand, you understand, we've got all these rules, we've got all these religious hoops we want people to jump through in the name of holiness, in the name of religion, and we scare people away. We scare people away. So I, you mean I can't come as I am? Yes, come as you are, come to the altar. Oh, don't dress like that, don't look like that, don't sound like that, don't smell like that, don't smoke like that, don't drink like that, don't. And we got all these rules. Holiness. Holiness. Real holiness. When I was growing up, you couldn't have a deck of cards in the house. That's right. I, I, all the sixth grade kids, they were going to the square dances. Now, now mind you, there's a lot we could talk about here. <laughs> square dances. What, what are they teaching kids square dancing? I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure it's wonderful. But I, I couldn't go because it was dancing. You know, you don't dance. If you're, you go to hell. If you dance, you go to hell if you have deck of cards in your house. You go to hell if you wear Bermuda shorts. Guys, don't wear Bermuda, Bermuda shorts. And whatever you do, don't watch television. There, there were all these rules and regulations that made up holiness, and they were all man-made, just like the Pharisees did. 
Now, can I give you a little bit of advice? Guys, don't wear Bermuda shorts. <laughs> Just don't. Don't do it, okay? It's not, it's not right. But real holiness, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the way that the world is thinking. If they say it's good, check it out in the word because this world is saying the things that are evil are good and the things that are good are evil. And here's the sad part. Many in the church have bought into this thing, hook, line, and sinker, and we're calling things that are good evil and evil good. We can't even have a conversation about some of the absolute insane things that are going on in our world today. And all of a sudden, we got Christians fighting Christians because, uh, you know, because you ought, to, you ought to be able to teach my kindergarten, my kindergarten student about their gender and sexuality. And I'm going, we've lost our minds. We've lost our minds trying to think that that's okay. And, and, and you, I mean, you got, you got guys wearing women's swimsuits competing. And then people go and say, well, you know, it just depends how they identify. This is nuts. This is crazy. I'm sorry, this is nuts. This is not how, this is not how it goes. He created Adam and Eve. If you got woman parts, you're a woman. If you got man parts, you're a man. I'm sorry. That's all there is to it. You say, well, I didn't know I was going to go to such an opinionated church. Well, I don't know how opinionated the church is, but the pastor is. It's very opinionated. It's just we're, we're, we're just allowing things in our lives, and we're going, what, what are we doing? And we got Christians fighting for the right to believe certain things that are completely unbiblical, unscriptural. They're ungodly. They're unholy. You know, right before he said, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, just before that in Ephesians 5, he says, don't allow this sin in your life. Don't be sinning like this. Don't act like this. Don't act like the world is doing. Don't adopt their customs. Don't do it. Church, don't do it. How many people have left this church because I spoke out about abortion? I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. And I'm not going to back down on some of these moral issues. These are moral issues. You can't support immorality and expect revival to break out in your midst. Revival in immorality, revival in a lack of holiness will not cohabitate the same room. They will not stay in the same room. One has to go. And it's immorality that has to go. It has to go. <sighs> you know, I, I, I preach, I do whatever I do, and, and then the next week can be a little tough reading all the stuff. So save it. In fact, stuff it. I, no, not stuff it. Do what? Send it. Oh, yeah, Pastor Daryl's back in town. Send it to Daryl. <laughs> All right, I got to move on. I got to close. 
One of the markers of revival is harvest. Harvest. Oh, man. You, you want to know uh, the history of one of the, one of the most amazing revivals that most people have never heard about. It was, it's called the Civil War Revival. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Nathan was talking about one of the catalysts for revival is when we are in desperate times. I, I'd say that civil war was one of those desperate times. Over 600,000 people, Americans, lost their lives. The bloodiest war in human history now, I know there have been other wars where a lot of people died as, uh, you know, as prisoners, that kind of thing, so I'm not comparing it. But I'm talking about just sheer warfare, killing one another, 600,000 in the Civil War. That's a desperate time, would you agree? What most people don't know is revival broke out during the Civil War among soldiers. And they estimate that somewhere around 300,000 soldiers committed their lives to Jesus Christ because they, were, they just cried out to God because of the desperation of what was going on around them. They just began to cry out to God on the battlefield, God, if you are here, I serve you. Because they knew, they knew, man, they better get right with Jesus because all these people are dying around them. They better get right with Jesus. And there was a revival that broke out. There, there was a harvest that broke out. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 35, the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. Second Peter chapter 3, 9 says, it's not his will that any would perish, but all would come to repentance of the knowledge of God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, listen, it, it, it's the God of this world that has blinded the minds of those lest the light of the gospel would shine unto them. I want to tell you, the blinders are coming off. The blinders are coming off. Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you have a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody that you love that you desperately want them to have a Damascus Road experience? I'm, I'm serious as I can be. I, that's something I believe Spirit of God dropped down in my spirit last night as I was writing notes. He said, uh, uh, begin to ask for Damascus Road experiences for your family, for the people that you love, for the people that are resisting, resisting the gospel, resisting Jesus. That all of a sudden, if they got to get knocked to the ground, let them get knocked to the ground. If they got to fall off a horse, let them fall off a horse. Whatever they got to do, if they got to see a bright light, let them see a bright light. I don't care. I just know that revival is here, so the harvest is here. I, I just got to tell you, my dream as a pastor is, is not a, a building like this. This is not my dream. I mean, it's a beautiful building. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm so appreciative of what God provided for us. I, I'm very appreciative. Don't get me wrong. But this was not my dream. My dream is not to have a big building. My dream is not to have a big church. My dream is not to have a bunch of people sitting listening to me. That's not my dream. My dream is that thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of souls will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. That there is a harvest that we are a part of. Were you here a number of weeks ago? I talked about the state of the church when I brought in that stack of the... the is Yvonne here? Is Yvonne here? Uh, Yvonne, what a dear, sweet woman. 
I, I, they delivered those back in my office the other day. And I said, where have they been? I forgot. <laughs> they said, well, you left them in the auditorium the day you preached. And I hadn't seen them in, in a couple of months. Ivan sat in the office and prayed for every single name on every single decision card that has ever been turned in over the last seven or eight years. She prayed for every single one of them. Is that amazing? And God just keeps speaking to me. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. The harvest, Spirit of God has spoken over this church. Build lots of nurseries. You're going to need it for all the babies being born. Come on, amen? Amen. Amen. Harvest. Everybody say harvest. Charles Finney, Presbyterian preacher, he said this, and he was one of the leaders of the Second Great Awakening in the United States. He said, it is a backslidden church that does not have a heart for souls. That's not grace. Amen? Amen. One more thing. Evidence of revival. Revival always, always, always brought change to a region. Always. You want to see this region changed? Do you, want, do you want to see your city changed? Do you want to see your block changed? Do you want to see your neighborhood changed? You don't want to see, come on, you want, how many of you want to see change? See, revival will bring change into a region. It'll impact Sterling Heights, City of Warren, Washington Township. It'll impact all of the areas. It'll impact Detroit. Oh, I love Detroit. I love Detroit. God, send revival into Detroit. Raise up churches that are pressing in to know you. God, raise up revivalists in Detroit. Amen. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's called the Seven Mountains. Seven Mountains of Influence and and, and those seven mountains are religion and family and government and education, media, arts, entertainment, and business. And I, I just believe that, uh, listen, why, why are all those things so ungodly, so many of them? Why is education such a mess? Yeah, we're, we're number 25 of industrial nations in our education system. We're number one in what we spend on it. What, what's wrong with this picture? What, what's wrong with government? Why do we have such ungodly leaders? making ungodly decisions. Why, why is this? Why, why is it that families are falling apart? Why is it that the media is such a mess, that art, entertainment, business, why is it? Because the church has decided, let's stay out of that. Let, let's, th- th- those things can be very dirty. They can be very messy. We'll just, we'll just meet on Sundays and worship Jesus. The reason those things are such a mess is because Christians have stayed out of them. It is time to go in. It's time to get this job done. I, I've just one, a couple more thoughts. I, I had a meeting with Mark and Carol Schweiger the other day talking about their Walk as One conference they had, giving me an update. And, and, you know, we were talking about politics, talking about different things, and Carol said this. She says, you know, where we live, out in the city we live in, I go to every meeting they have now. If it's city council, if it's planning commission, I go to every meeting they have. If they have a meeting, I'm there. I said, wow, that's pretty good. She says, yeah, uh, many, many of the meetings I go, I'm the only person sitting in the audience. And just recently I had one of the uh, officials come up to me and said, uh, uh, you know, why, why are you here? Why do you come to these? 
She goes, because I want you to see my face. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know. Now, really what she's saying, and she told me, is because she's going to influence the city she lives in. She's going to pray for those leaders. She's going to hold them accountable. Come on, man. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We're to make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. That's how we see that revival is here.